It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Feliz Navidad and welcome to episode 197 of the Three Point Podcast. It's our annual Christmas episode and we have a very special present, an interview with national championship coach Tony Anise of the Ferris State Bulldogs coming up in just a bit. Our championship team includes Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Crow Real Estate and Auction, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and servicing and z92.5 the castle well we're creeping up on christmas we had kind of a preliminary party didn't we jared yeah as a as a matter of fact you were the sort of the man of honor at uh this party because you you just recently retired uh and the funny thing is you kind of gave me the rundown of your first few days of retirement where you've already mapped out the five-month tv sports schedule into that i said okay well there's one day down now what are you going to do with the other thousands of days you got left of retirement uh but no yeah we actually had a roast of you uh to honor your retirement i let it off and i guess i mean where would you go from there what do you think did you think that we hit you hard enough do you do you think that you were roasted properly yeah i think so uh let me let me give it a little perspective and matt you understand what we're talking about the old family roasted the old sports guy and uh They had some pretty clever stuff, but you know, in hindsight, after I was thinking about it, I should have grabbed the mic at the end because the person that gets roasted usually has the final word, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, well, first question is, was, was this a surprise? You had no idea the roast was coming? No, I, I had no idea. Family, I know you guys are, I know the Fatal, I know you guys are super close, and it's really cool, you know, you guys still do all these family gatherings super close. A family roast, though, that could get like... <laughs> Like if they really wanted to take some jabs at you, there there could be some some bad blood coming out. I mean, anything like that. Like, did anyone, you know, really go deep with their digs? No, no, they were they were pretty kind. I got a little bit sweaty and nervous a couple times when they were talk. A few of the comments were about how I liked the ladies when I was young, while my wife was sitting <laughs> right there. So that made me a little nervous. But they kept it kept it on the down low. And and like I said, Matt, 
normally the roasted person gets a chance for a rebuttal and, and last words, so I came up with a little bit here for Sorry. the podcaster. I'm going to start with our friend here, Jared. Now, Jared, I appreciate you emceeing the affair, but obviously you've ridden my coattails to Bally Sports Detroit. And speaking of riding, if we go anywhere together, I'm going to need to drive because you might be the worst driver ever. And then uh, also, I'm really surprised you're here tonight with all the drama last night on The Bachelorette. How about that? That pretty good. I mean, I think we. Huh? I was gonna say Matt was pretty late on the laugh uh, with that one. Uh, I will say you had about four times as much prep time as I did, and I'll just say your content was not as great. Well, you know, it was a spur of the moment. Uh, also, on your your brother John or your dad John, you know, what I would say to him is way to spend a lot of thought and effort on the roast, reading verbatim from a poorly written <laughs> fake news 1991 Shiawassee Independent article, and. Uh, Another shot at John. Remember, I have the goat, Ernie Harwell, as my outgoing voicemail message, and he has Rick Riz. Huh? Do either one of you guys know who Rick Riz is? I didn't even know that he no. had that. He, he replaced Ernie Harwell as play-by-play guy. Oh. Okay. <laughs> also, Brother George, <laughs> kudos on the special effort and the great prop comedy attempt. Almost up to carrot top level and about as funny. Jared's mom, Mary Lynn, she, she gave a couple short little digs and uh, just for her i promise much much more tedertainment and uh my uh my brother-in-law joe nothing negative to say i want him to continue on as my uh, basketball sidekick but uh seriously thanks again to my wife lana for reaching out to the family members and thanks to all the roasters i you know i know what a pain in the ass it was to have to come up with something so appreciate it but it was a lot of fun yeah uh the big question is how much how much chicken did jared eat (laughs) Uh, let's see. I probably had probably three, pe- three, four pieces, which is, I mean, that's nothing compared to what you usually will house uh, at Frankenmuth. But here's the th- our family gathering. It starts with Frankenmuth food, and then we still have pizza coming at night. So <laughs> I kind of pace myself throughout the day. Yeah. There's still so many other good items to have at Frankenmuth. I always eat too much bread and, and you know, did- the pasta and the salads that they bring out before the, the main course. So I was already kind of partially full. But, no, it was delicious, Dude. and I'm in the holiday spirit now officially. That is one heavy day of eating and drinking. I mean, all the holidays are in general. But when you talk about the fried chicken – Vendors, Frankenmuth meal with you know mashed potatoes and all the other stuff. I assume you guys have some desserts too. Oh yeah. And if you're if you're having a couple beers or whatever, that's on top of it. Yep. And you and then you polish it off with some pizza at night. I mean, you got to have something later in the night, so you need something. But man, you talk about smashing four or five pieces of pizza on top of all that. Sunday, man, you guys must wake up and just like, <laughs> I mean. Just feeling pretty good on yeah. Sunday morning after that. Oh, I was groaning Sunday morning. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was at, I was on the under six. I had five pieces of chicken, but I made sure I had seconds on the mashed potatoes and noodles and stuffing. I mean, it, it was it was great as always, and I did save room for a couple pieces of pizza yep. anyway later on. It was a good night. And but we play a family game. We play. You know what LCR is, Matt? Yeah. 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 Well, we played two di- two of those dice games, and ironically enough, I don't know, we had about 25, 30 people there. My dad won both. He took home over 450 bucks. Not bad. Nice. He's a lucky oh, guy. That's awesome. Yeah, doing stuff like that is fun, too, even if, you know, you, all you got to, what, is a buy-in probably just like 5 10 bucks or something like that? First, first game, 15 Second game was uh, 5 Yeah, it's funny how people... So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's doable for everyone, usually. Yeah, it's fun. people spend all this time trying to come up with cr- Christmas games and this or that. It's funny how you just get a couple things a night or a few a few dice 
Put a few dollars on it, yeah, and that's the more fun, most fun you'll have is playing that simple game. Especially when it gets down to the last couple people, man. Then right, then the tension mounts. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think the the big thing with LCR is literally anyone can play it. It's not like euchre or you exactly. know some of these other card games that a lot of people maybe don't know, don't like, or you know, there's people who take it too seriously or whatever. LCR, sit there and throw the dice, you're good to go. But yeah, that's a good time. Christmas parties are always fun, especially when you throw in some games and good food. Yep. Did, did you get down there have an ESPN party? I know I saw you uh, had to put the Michigan banner on the ESPN tree. That was very cool. Yeah, I've got a, a Michigan scarf, and obviously here at, at it's SEC slash yep. ACC network, whatever you want to call it. But the whole tree, it's all SEC and ACC teams. <laughs> so especially on top of that Georgia uh, scarf, I had to put the Michigan one there. But we had a little, like, ugly sweater Christmas party, like a little thing or whatever, like a little contest. It was actually kind of cool because uh, Gene Chizik and Roman Harper were the judges of the wow. Ugly Sweater contest. So it was kind of like they were they were there doing a show. We were doing like a bunch of programming and stuff. Right. So they they set it up so like they were the celebrity guest judges. So kind of cool to have a, a national championship head coach and and Roman Harper as the guest judges. But no, they didn't. They didn't. We didn't really have anything like blowout as far as the Christmas party, but. Still fun to do that stuff, and we did our little bit of Christmas stuff when saw Santa with my daughter and stuff like that on on Sunday. So Christmas is is well on the way here too. Yeah, and it's right around the corner. How's uh, how's Claire holding up? I mean, you know, she being a good girl and all that, and uh, just counting down to Santa. She is. I mean, she she definitely thinks about it and and mentions how good she's been at school, and you know, asks us because <laughs> she she's at that age where I mean, she she's all in. She she thinks this is for real. Like she, you know, went and saw Santa and, and she wrote up her list. She wanted to bring it and show him. She read it off to him. He he actually like it's really cool when the, the mall Santa, you know, where the, the, the Santa that you go and see when they play along, he like read it and kept it and then he kinda like gave us a wink and I went and like got it back after we walked away. So um so she thinks that Santa has her list and is gonna go off that list and then uh-huh. you know, when we nibble on the cookies uh, Christmas yep. Christmas Eve night, I guess, Christmas morning, you know, we'll, we'll probably write something, write a little note on her list, and she'll think it came, you know, from Santa. So, you know, all that stuff is, I don't know, Jared's probably sitting here like, he's probably checking Twitter right now while I'm talking about all this. But, like, when you, you know, when you have kids or whatever, this stuff is really cool to see. Oh, it's it's what it's all about for sure. Now, what's the, what's the agenda? Your your parents are coming down for the, the birth of your son. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they coming into town for Christmas or right after Christmas? I mean, the plan is they're they're coming in after Christmas because he's it's still like a week out that he's going to come. But I mean, they're on standby. If, if you know if he decides to come early, I'm going right. to give him a call and, and they'll hop on a plane and get down here as quick as they can. But the the plan is to come down a couple of days after Christmas and then they'll be here for whatever we need or you yeah. know how, however long we need. So yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy that we're a week away from having another one running around or I guess they don't run for a while. Not but for a while. You, yeah, it's exciting. I was actually um, one of the most underrated parts of Christmas, and here's an opinion that might be a way out of left field. You guys let me know what you think. Why, like, somebody like downtown Owasso, Detroit, it's it's the coolest at during Christmas time, right, because all the lights are out. Mm-hmm. Why do we not have lights out year-round. They don't have to be Christmas-colored. They can be the typical white lights, but you go somewhere like Tempe, Arizona, uh, and there's lights all over Main Street. There's lights all outside all these restaurants. I think it looks awesome. 
why 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 is it only a seasonal thing? Can we make this a year-round thing? Because I think we all appreciate it. I think we all think it looks good. What's stopping us from doing that? It's funny you say that because they're, they, they keep them out down here too a lot. Obviously, during Christmas, they do it up a lot more with the wreaths and the colorful lights and all that stuff. But, yeah, those little, like, white ones you're talking about, they just – are like neatly lined along, yep. you know, the edges of the buildings and stuff. A lot of the shopping plazas and stuff like that down here leave them out year round, and I love it. I don't know, maybe there's some people who don't don't like it or whatever, but I think it's super cool. Right. But um, yeah, I don't know why. I, maybe it's it's just a traditional thing. I guess I would, that would be my guess. Yeah, I I agree with both of you. I think it'd, it'd be cool to have out all year round. You know? do, do you even put up much lights? Yeah, I got well, I don't put up much, but I put up <laughs> some lights, yeah. What is some lights? What is that uh, even? I got a string of lights around my front window. No, no. Oh my. And okay. I got I got a couple of uh pine trees that are decorated on my front porch and I got uh Wait, pine trees on your So those are like decorations. They're, they're fake, not even fake lights. pine trees. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm I, Oh, and I put lights around my uh I keep lights on all year round. I don't know if you re- realize that, you know, on the, the back, back patio yep. there. I have lights on all the time, uh, running on a timer, and I, I switch the bulbs out to, you know, colorful ones instead of the yellow ones. Right. And then I also got string lights on my uh, my gazebo out in the back porch. So, yeah, I strung some lights up. I mean. That's not, that's not bad. I, I've got to ask you guys something, your, your guys' opinion on something that I, I think – People have been doing this kind of stuff for a long time, but something the last few, four or five years that has really taken off is people putting those, like, reindeer antlers on their cars. Yeah. Now, like, that, I, do whatever you want. If you want to decorate your car, really, <laughs> I, I couldn't care less. Me, personally, and my wife's on board, too. We, it's, like, the lamest, cheesiest, almost, like, annoying thing that I ever see with people with the Rudolph nose on the front of their car, <laughs> the antlers, and some people even put lights on their cars and wreaths and all this stuff. Like, where do you guys stand on decorating your car for Christmas? I'm all about your house and other stuff, but decorating your car, I don't know about that. 99.99% of the time, if you're thinking of putting literally anything on your car, whether it's a bumper sticker, uh, antlers, my favorite one is the Michigan flags that hand that hang off the side of your windows. They still don't make put those? it on there. <laughs> they still make Do not those? put it on. <laughs> There's never a bumper sticker that looks good. There's never anything that's important enough to put on the back of your car for the rest of your life. That's the way I stand it. I don't care if it's Christmas themed or your favorite team themed or or anything along those lines. It always looks bad. I have to admit, though, there's a couple that that do crack me up. Uh, as far as for Christmas uh, decorations on vehicles, I always laugh when I see a semi truck with a Santa flattened out on the front of it. <laughs> that, okay, a semi truck, I'll agree. Like if you have a custom mud flaps or something on your semi truck, it's hilarious. That's a, there's a difference between that and you're following some soccer mom who has right. the four like the five little stick figures for their family on the back. And then I also crack right. up, I also crack up a little bit on Halloween when you see the witch where she runs right into the tree, you know, she kind of is halfway smushed I up guess into I, haven't, a tree. I haven't seen that yeah. one. It's on a car? No, it's on a tree. It's not on a vehicle. Oh. I kind of switched topics there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was way out of left field that we went to Halloween, but Sounds cool. Yeah. No, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're funny. I mean, like, I guess, yeah, when you look at it that way, just, I don't know. See, seeing people with their cars all done up sometimes, uh, it, it is just kind of goofy. But hey, whatever gets you in that Christmas spirit, you know, do whatever you got to do. Now, how about you, Jared? The young buck will wind down this part of the show. Christmas with a girlfriend this year, you know, your yep. second one, is it? Yep, second one. 
Do you feel the, the same amount of pressure as you did last year? Because I remember that was a big ordeal. I feel like I kind of blew blew my load, for lack of a better term, on the first Christmas. Definitely think of a better term than that. Well, I'm just saying, it's like you kind of you bring out you have all the you have all the good ideas in year one, uh, and yeah. you kind of burn through them all maybe too quick. Maybe you should have saved a couple for a couple of the following years. But uh, no, I mean Christmas is awesome. It's definitely her family is like sort of like I would consider myself a Grinch compared to their family where they've been talking about Christmas for like three months now. Wow. Whereas I'm sort of, you know, get your sh- I get my shopping done all in one day. I make a point. If I can't order it online, you're not getting it. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> so I get all my shopping done in one day, early December. It all gets delivered to my house until it all gets there. Then I wrap it all in one day. That's the way um, to go. That's a man's way, man. Yeah. So I, I'm big into Christmas. I'm kind of finally getting into the full Christmas swing. It's not like when I used to work at Meyer, where Christmas was blaring in my ears for like three months leading up to it. So I was kind of building up to it. Now it's still like it still doesn't really even feel like Christmas. It's kind of weird when you become an adult. You stop thinking about it so much. Where when you're a kid, the month leading up to it, you are counting down the days. You're counting down the nights. And basically the whole week in advance, like I feel bad for Matt's daughter. She probably hasn't slept in a week right. heading into this Christmas day. Uh but no, it's still a great holiday, but just not as much hype as as I've had in the past. It is funny. Just yeah, I know we're about to move on, and we got to bring a national championship head coach on. That's kind of cool. How's that? But sound? you you mentioning my daughter um, not sleeping. Like we had the I, I talked to her the other night. Ted, you remember having all these conversations too? And she was asking about Santa coming, and mm-hmm. and I talked about that, Jared, about how you know you know how the song goes: sees you when you're sleeping, yep. knows when you're awake. So we were, like, talking about that. And you could just see, like, the wheels spinning in her head, like, eyes wide open, just thinking, I have to be sleeping on Christmas Eve or Santa's not going to come. And it's just funny to think about that because you think back when you were a kid, I remember having sleepless nights, like what you're talking about, Jared. And, you know, so now seeing it through my daughter's eyes, it is kind of cool. But, yeah, you do kind of go through, like, as a kid, you love it. And then maybe, like, Jared's age, you know, it's kind of not as big of a deal. You're doing girlfriend stuff, family stuff. But then – when or if you do have kids, then you kind of relive it all again. So I mean, kind of it's easy to see why you get like why you're so like awe inspired by it. It is an awesome like idea. <laughs> this guy goes to all these different houses, gives presents, all the stories that come with Christmas. The the elves, the workshop, yes. the reindeer. Whoever came up with it is should be should be be a billionaire by now if they had just written a children's book about it because it's one hell of a story. What do you mean who came up? Well, what is the? It's like the Saint Nick, but but they. Oh, okay. I see where you're going with it. I I thought you were going the other route. I was more. I was more saying. Did you say if they wrote a book about it? There's millions of books about it. Whoever should if this if this story had start started in 2021, somebody would have trademarked this shit, and they're a billionaire. Is is what yeah. I'm saying. Good point. Good point. Well, I think I think we've caught up enough, fellas. We got Christmas on the horizon, but uh, let's let's get into some football talk. And next up on the podcast, as Matt said, national championship coach Tony and East coming up next, right here at Three Point Podcast. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30am till 5pm at Kendall Drugs in Corona or give them a call at 989-720-4295. 
looking to buy items online, go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. Next up on the pod, one of the very best college football head coaches in America. I won't go through his whole resume, but for those of you listening that are not aware, high school record of 195 and 41 with three state championships, high school Hall of Fame coach, junior college 30 and 4, two national championships, college at Ferris State 101 and 16 two national championship appearances, including last week's Division II National, and a total coaching record combined, 326-61. Just phenomenal. Let's bring in Corona's own Tony Anise. And, Tony, congratulations again. My first question is not going to be the generic, how does it feel? But when all the celebrating was over and you finally got back to the room, what were your last thoughts when you finally got a chance to put your head down on the pillow? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I guess thought was I gotta set my alarm because I gotta get up in a half an hour because it's already morning. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to bed at a little after six and Ooh. I had to get up to, to, to make sure all the players got up to catch the charter flight. So uh yeah, it was a long night. I guess the beauty of, of college being with college age uh men is is you can like celebrate like with them a little bit. Yep. And so we did a lot of celebrating. We had a big ballroom, and and we had a lot of our uh, supporters and and former football players and current football players, and it was just quite a party. And the the people in the hotel were trying to kick us out at two, and they didn't <laughs> succeed until about four thirty, and then we went right into the <laughs> lobby area and stood and visited for another hour and a half or so. So it was a great night. Um, it was just fun to see how happy people were and and uh so for for fair state and and for all of our supporters it's just it's great to see how uh how thrilled they were that we 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 finally won the national championship so when's the moment when you think it kind of sets in i mean it, it was a little bit anticlimactic in the fact that it was a blowout uh but i'll, I'll go to this moment in particular because i've always wondered this you got a gatorade bath what's it like when you get gatorade dumped on you after you know a 10-year journey and you finally get to that moment where you turn, you see the video where you see them coming right before they dump it on you. Are you pissed when that happens and you get and you're ice cold now? Are you excited? Are you expecting it in those last few minutes? What's it like when you finally get uh, the Gatorade dumped on you? I actually was completely prepared for it. I tried to act as though um, I didn't even feel it. Right. I don't know if that's how it looked on film, but uh, I had so many clothes on, and I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play this off like I didn't even know they they right. did it, but. One of the guys took uh, my headphones off before before the before the Gatorade bath was poured on me, and and so that made me turn and, and see it. But uh, it's awesome, you know. Um, I'm not one to really be very expressive uh, in those situations, but uh, it was just extraordinarily, uh, you know, just a great feeling. The the whole thing once we knew we kind of had the game in hand, which. Mm-hmm. For me, that probably was when we finally, you know, got to 58. So we were at 58, 17 before I kind of thought, oh, yeah, we, we've got this. But, uh, you know, it, it's 
fun to win that way, knowing that you kind of have the game. You know, it's easier to celebrate that way. Right. And so I think our guys really uh, had a lot of fun on us. You know, it is. I, I just got a quick follow up on that. It was actually in my notes. You know, I was going to ask about the Gatorade bath. Uh, your preference? I mean, eat, both are good because you know you win the game. But uh, Gatorade bath or uh, shoulder ride? And you got both of them. I don't know if I got a shoulder ride. I got I, like they they like to throw me in the air, like <laughs> take off as a blind and think like I'm a little little uh, you know like a they can vault me or something. But but yeah, I know that was that was fun too. You know it's cool when when they're uh you know when they're they're so happy that you know they try to bully me about tackled me right as i i got out i was about ready to do the interview uh with the espn reporter and and he came up along with some of the other guys who you know former players and and they were just knocking me around and i'm like gosh i'm too old to trash them out but, but yeah it was, it was pretty incredible Coach Jared mentioned a few minutes ago about the journey. You know, you've been at First State for about 10 years. I wanted to ask you about building a program. We're seeing around the football world, whether it's college football, even in the NFL, it seems like a lot of programs, a lot of teams are given head coaches. It's almost like a two- or three-year window. They give them two or three years, and if they don't feel that things are turning around, you know, they, they give them the hook and they move on to somebody else. Can you talk about, like, in your opinion, what it takes to truly – build a program because when you came into Ferris they, they weren't the bottom of the GLIAC but you know they were a solid program but you definitely had to bring some new life into into Ferris State and 10 years in and you've got a national title can you just talk about kind of what it takes to really get your culture your recruiting and everything in to to where you have it right now yeah well we were you know I felt like we were uh, you know we we in the first year, we were seven and four. It was it was a good first year. It's the first time we beat Grand Valley mm-hmm. since 1999. So you know we had things that happened that were kind of pushing us forward. Um, and then the next season, we our first game was actually at North Dakota State, who was yeah. the FCS national champ the year before, and and consistently the FCS national champ virtually every year. But I, I went there thinking, hey, I, I want my guys to experience what a, a championship program has been. And so we went there, and then we lost, obviously, to them. But we ended up being 8-2 and two after that game. And, and then, you know, we took off. So in, on October 19, 2013, um, since that date, we've only lost three regular season games. So um, it's, pre- it's pretty crazy to think about. But, yeah, we... We've only lost three regular season games in, I guess, eight years. And so uh, 14 was an undefeated season, regular season. And a GLIAC championship, 15 was an undefeated regular season and a GLIAC championship. But then, you know, it's not easy to, to navigate the playoffs. And you, you really need to, I think, have a good feel as to mm-hmm. how to navigate it. And so we finally, in 16, um, you know, made the semis, and we lost the eventual national champs, Northwest Missouri State. But, you know, we we really had a great playoff run, and since then we've really done well in the playoffs. Um, obviously, you know, getting there in 18 and losing in the finals, and, and then now in 2021 uh, winning, it, winning the whole thing. One of the big things you did when you went to Ferris, or very shortly after you went to Ferris, was your entire high school coaching career, you had run you know, inside veer almost entirely. You even made a few modifications yourself, changing it to pistol veer. 
What made you finally change it when you got to Ferris? Why did you feel you needed to make that change to what more of like we a still, spread type of offense? Some now. of that stuff, right. um, but our, we've always been a system that's built around our personnel, and so you know we 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 actually put in some different installs for for Jared. You know that mm-hmm. that was completely different than what we have done in the past. So. We try to be a flexible uh, system. My offensive coordinator is my son, Steve, and he's he's a football genius. He's just so brilliant when it comes to like being creative and coming up with stuff. And you know, yeah, a lot of it is just us trying to you know do what's best for for the personnel that we have, or the best way to attack an opponent. And so. Uh, you know, the, the, the first play of the game actually was a play we'd never ran mm-hmm. specifically that way um, ever in my whole career. And and Jared uh, obviously broke it for uh, a touchdown. But philosophically, that's that's the way we, you know, we try to be. You know, we're trying to be innovative and, and different and, and pressure the defense. And, and, you know, we ended D2 football with the number one scoring offense in the nation and the number one total offensive uh, team in the nation. Wow! Obviously, we we're very productive, and I was very pleased by the way we we operated. But it, it all all comes down to the offensive line. Our offensive right. line is always like superior, and, mm-hmm. and Coach Sam Parker's the guy that really gets a lot of that credit. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, your offensive and defensive lines were just completely stellar, and really, you dominated in all four areas of the game: offense, defense, special teams, and coaching. But I was going to go back to Steve for a minute. He probably ought to get a raise and a Christmas bonus just for the fact that he brought the email to your attention. Because from what I understand, uh, Jared Bernhardt he, he played a little uh, lacrosse. Is that true? <laughs> I say that sarcastically, yeah. but wow, what a find, huh? Yeah, he's, he's a little bit of an ass. <laughs> I don't know what Jared was thinking, just emailing Steve. Um, <laughs> I went through and checked and just said, well, I'll just send this to offensive coordinators. Because uh-huh. I certainly would have found it if it was in my email. <laughs> right. It was never in my email, but uh, <laughs> it was in a lot of people's emails. It wasn't just Ferris State. Right. Actually, Jared said after the game, he goes, he said to me, he says, yeah, I, I sent an email to Val Dawson and never answered it. And wow. so he sent it around, and I think what he did it was trying to determine, like, you know, who were some of the top programs mm-hmm. um, in the nation and then in D2, and that's where he sent them. But, you know, truthfully, I, I'm just shocked that he was at the University of Maryland, and the University of Maryland didn't just say, hey, you know, come come play for us right. because uh, – you know, he's just that dynamic of an athlete. I mean, he's he's just extraordinarily gifted. Coach, we all know that um, anyone that listens to our podcast, we talk about Corona a lot, and we're proud alums. We know you're obviously a proud alum of Corona, too. Ted played for your dad, Nick and Nice. Jared and I played on the field that's named after your dad, Nick and Nice Field. Can you just talk about what you still take, uh, things that you take from him that you learned watching him coach or learned from him? or other mentors that even at this point in your career with all the success that Ted laid out and we all know that you've had, that you still take from all those mentors that you've had through the years? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Um, So on uh, the day of the game, Saturday at 11 a.m., right before lunch, I I basically, we we had a team meeting and um, I picked like the, 18 guys that were there the last time and I, I basically asked them 
to tell me what their why was. I mean, tell, tell the group their why was. So what I did is I had them walk up, sign a football, and then to express to the team what their why was, what was their purpose. And I started, and my, my first, uh, you know, my first thing I said was my why was my dad. And, you know, I got emotional actually in front of the whole team just talking about the impact that he had on me. And I expressed to them that, you know, I remember, you know, going to Kmart back in the day, and and I, I was a little kid, and, and people would come up to my dad and say, hey, coach, how you doing? You know, thank you for everything. You made such a big difference in my life. And and so that was a motivational factor for me my whole career. You know, there hasn't been, truthfully, there hasn't been a game that I've coached where I didn't, you know, think about my dad before the game started. Um, I remember, uh, you know, just how much of a positive impact he had on people there in Corona and so that's been my motivating force that's been my why you know my whole career and uh, you know I get emotional when people even say you know through text message or emails that which I've got a million of them but you know some of the people from Corona or from the area um, you know like Mark Thomas who's a good friend of mine who's from Owasso you know they'll, they'll text me and say hey you know your dad would be so proud and da 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 and, yeah, it makes me emotional even thinking about it because uh, he's been my why my whole career. And, uh, you know, my, my, my whole career is to just try to, you know, serve young people um, the way he served young people. So, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely been the force and, and, and inspiration for me to just keep on moving forward and trying to make the best of this. Um, profession. Well, you know, as as Matt said, Tony, I mean, I, I had the fortune of playing for him. In fact, uh, you probably never heard this story. I didn't play at all. I was on the team as a freshman, never played, and never got off the bench. I was a backup quarterback, never got in. And between going into my sophomore year, I was actually going to run cross country for Jim Duffield. And I'll never forget it. Your old man called up my dad and says, He's not running cross country. He's playing football. And he sent me to practice with the varsity as a sophomore. Keep in mind, I hadn't played all freshman year. But that that workout in in training, you know, playing against the juniors and seniors gave me confidence to when they sent me back down to JV, kind of kind of launched my high school career. So I owe him a lot for that. And he uh he was one of a kind, man, and I'll tell you what, I mean, you're a chip off the old block, the way you the way you walk the sidelines, the way you coach, and I just want to ask this question, Tony. It's from one of our friends from our generation, George Ackerman. He was the quarterback of the 76 team. He sent me a question to ask. He just said, you know, before your dad, Nick, had his health issues, did he ever say anything to your mom, Ann, or anything to you kids about possibly, you know, moving forward with a college career? No, I, I mean, I know, like, uh, at, at a point in time, probably, you know, when I was little, he talked about going to Michigan State and working as an assistant. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, like, you know, it's weird to say now, but, like, as an assistant coach at, at Michigan State back in the day, you probably weren't making as much money right. as you were making at, at Corona. Um, just assistant coaches just weren't making money like that back in back in those times, but uh, I know, you know, he had a lot of mouths to feed in our house, <laughs> and uh, I know at one point in time that that was a consideration, but that he just couldn't do it because of 
you know, because of the situation where he had to provide for a family. And, uh, you know, he's pretty content. You know, it was it's just a special, special place, a uh, special time. He coached much different than, than how I coach now because if I coached the way he coached, um, you know, I'd probably get fired and every every other coach in America would get fired. Not to say what he did was always wrong because he was a great coach, but just the, you know, the, the pure militaristic style of, of coaching now uh, is so much different. And, and uh, yeah, but he is a tough guy, but he was also a fun guy. I, I catch myself sometimes telling people stories of, of just, how uh, we grew up and oh man people just shake their head they're like seriously you your poor mom yeah oh my gosh yeah <laughs> so yeah but he was you know he just loved he just loved practical jokes yeah. he just loved to make people laugh and so uh it was it was always something at my house for sure well he was classic i got i got one follow up on that since we were talking about uh, offensive jobs or you know assistant jobs at michigan state you've gone Really, the John Beeline route as a head coach pretty much your entire career, other than when you very first started out at high school. But has the thought ever crossed your mind now with big-time offensive coordinator positions, you know, paying up over a million dollars? I mean, has that ever crossed your mind? Are you, are you just going to ride it out as a head coach wherever it leads you, whether it's at Ferris or down the road somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, th- things obviously cross your mind because, you know, the money is so significant right. now it's, it's almost sick. But yeah. uh you know, I also love what I'm doing now, and, and you know, truthfully, you know, I I was I was happy at Montrose. You know, right. I mean, I thought that was the greatest gig ever. So, you know, I've always been pretty content with being where your feet are, I guess. And uh, people ask me that all the time. Hey, you know, this should propel you into a bigger job, or you know, what what's people thinking? But you know, I also have been told this. I don't know if it's true, but my assistants tell me this that. I, I couldn't be an assistant coach. I'm like, what do you mean? I could be like an offensive <laughs> coordinator or even a quarterback coach. And they're like, no, you need to you need to be in charge. I mean, that's just your uh, personality. But my daughter just rolled her eyes at me, so that means she must be <laughs> assistant. But, but uh, it's something that I guess, truthfully, it have to be with the right person, you know, somebody that right. I really trust because I still own my life and – meaning I like I control my own hours and mm-hmm. and you know do it the way I want to do it and I guess people think that maybe if I wasn't doing it the way I wanted to do it then I probably wouldn't be happy about that so I could see that I guess that might be the possibility of what they're talking about you mentioned Montrose for a lot of listeners who maybe don't know I feel like most most people do but you had a very successful high school career Ted laid it out at the very start of the um, podcast you actually we actually saw you at the Caledonia versus Rockford game uh, earlier this fall do you still catch a lot of high school football games uh, on Friday nights whether it's due to recruiting uh, or whatnot and is there a, maybe a favorite environment that you've seen uh, you've been all over the state you've coached all over the state is there a certain place or a certain game that you remember that really sticks out to you for the environment and maybe what actually transpired on the field? Well, one, to answer the first question, yeah, I, I try to go to a game every week. I, I love going to high school games, though. Um, so even if I didn't have a recruit, you know, I try to try to get out and and see a game every every Friday. Mm-hmm. The best environments, I mean, you gotta say Muskegon High School at Hackley Stadium when that place is no kidding is rolling. Right. I mean, that's 
that's a good environment as, as you're going to find. But definitely the Caledonia-Rockford game was fun because it was packed. And, and I remember in 2008 when I was the head coach of Muskegon, we went to Rockford and played them. And, and I think there are like 14,000 people there. Like the whole place wow. was packed. <laughs> Even the hills were packed. And and so um, those, those were fun times. You know, looking back at it, you know, we, we went to Lowell in 2006 and, you know, they opened the gates at, at 11 a.m. and it was packed at 11.05. Wow. You know, like people were just sprinting to their seats. So, yeah, those are those are all just great memories, fond memories. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's some great uh, environments in Michigan for sure. But I say Muskegon uh, with... That stadium sitting right on top of the, the team. I mean, there's yeah. no track and there's nothing between <laughs> that, that that stadium and, and the and the field. So that's that's a great spot. Yeah, we we've talked about that that place and a few other places. We definitely are our high school football junkies, just like you are. But coach, I wanted to ask you about when you kind of sensed that, or or when a head coach does kind of sense that your team has has fully bought in for the season. We've talked a number of times about the Michigan team this year and how we felt like it was different because you could almost see on the field and in press conferences and stuff like that that the players finally bought in to Jim Harbaugh's system and we're seeing the results on the field. Can you talk about maybe with this team or even past teams when you kind of get a sense that not not just talent but the team is fully bought in and you're going to have some success on the field? Yeah, that's that's a good good uh, observation. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously we're undefeated in the regular season. We were gritty the whole season in regards to you know winning winning the GLIAC and going undefeated. We're the only undefeated team in all of Division Two. So I was proud of that. But the biggest sign of how gritty your guys are or how bought in they are is when it gets like it gets tough. In, uh, in November and December. And people don't realize that. Like, you know, we're not rolling into any indoor facility, nor would right. I want to go into an indoor facility when we're playing an outdoor game. So, you know, you know, the regular season, I think, ended November 13th. So we had to practice the next week. Then we had to practice through Thanksgiving weekend, or excuse me, week. And then we played Thanksgiving weekend. And then we played the first week in December, um, the second week in December, and so I finally, you know, as as it was going on, I, I told the kids, I said, you guys are just different. I said, this team's different. And they're like, what do you mean we're different? I'm like, we're different, man. We're tougher. We, you know, we just, we can't be stopped. And nothing, you know, like, like one of those days, it was, it was seven degrees, seven, as we went out to the practice field, seven degrees. And they just went out there and they worked. And I've got, you know, I've got 25 kids from Florida. Right. You know, on my team. And so there's a lot of uh, reasons why, you know, mentally somebody might just say, man, this, this stinks. And even the scout team, like the guys, the guys that were, you know, the, the true freshmen, redshirt freshmen that were just, you know, coming to practice every day and, and enduring the challenges, they had great attitudes. They gave us great looks. And so, yeah, you can, you can tell the difference. Uh, Truthfully, you know, I, I got two of my former assistants at Michigan, and, and they told me that probably through maybe week four. They're like, yeah, this team's a lot different than, than the, the teams of the past. And so coaches coaches can feel it. They can tell. 
And uh, it's just a mentality. It really is. Get the right mentality in a sport. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's the force that's going to carry you into winning, you know, national championships. Well, you pretty much uh, had a feel for this team being uh, very good, obviously. Uh, you were there in 2018 in the championship game. How big was the fact that you knew what to expect on log- logistics, etc.? And it just appeared from some of the social media posts I saw, Tony, that you were pretty relaxed and confident going into that championship game. Is that fair to say? No, that that's absolutely correct. I just think the comfortability of being there before – and you know, we lost forty nine to forty seven in the eighteen game. Incredible game. And then yeah, and then nineteen up to West Florida and they ended up winning the national championship. So so triply in sixteen and eighteen and nineteen we had lost to the eventual national champ. And so we knew you know, we were close, really close. But then COVID hit and you know, I, I tell people this, but COVID could have taken you on you know, can let people close the gap on you, catch up to you, mm-hmm. or two, we can, we, you know, we can open the gap. We can, we can make it even bigger. And and so our guys were like really locked in through even COVID and uh, and all the things we did, even though it was challenging. I think a lot of people forget that Division Two. You guys did not play a season last year. What was it like? No. I mean, you talked about how you guys stayed like kind of on top of it and kept the guys motivated, but. At some point during that entire year without playing, were you ever thinking, like, man, this just really, really, really sucks? And what was it? Do you think that's partially what made you guys so much better this year is that the guys in the locker room or the uh, kind of kept their heads on straight uh, the entire year off that you guys had heading into this season? Yeah, um, we didn't, like, we, did, we didn't cry about not playing, truthfully. Um, right. In fact, when the NCAA said there weren't going to be, I mean, we could have played, but the NCAA said there was, no, no playoff system, and mm-hmm. our guys said, "Coach, we're not playing." And so I, I said, "No, I agree. We won't, we're not playing." You know, right. so we weren't going to just play games that you know, just to play games just for the fun of it. So our guys knew, yeah, we were going to be on a mission, and we, we basically treated it like a mission. We worked every day. COVID did not slow us down. COVID did not discourage us. Um, we just worked every day to try to be our best. We'll keep you just a hair longer here, Tony. I know you got to go, but uh, when I say you got to go, you're on vacation in Florida. I wish I was <laughs> down there with you. Uh, you know, you're down there with the family. Just recap just a little bit, a little love here, I guess, on what your wife, Chris, and your mom, Ann, and the entire Anise family have meant to your career. Oh, goodness. So uh, I'll start with my mom because she's sitting there right there in, in 642 Crestview Drive. Um <laughs> Watches every game. Um, her health wasn't such that she felt like she could go to our games, but she never, she never missed a game. Watched it, uh, and obviously thrilled for us to win a national championship. And then you know my son Steve coaches for me, and then my nephew Tony, Phil's son coaches mm-hmm. for me. So, and uh, he's kind of the unsung hero. People don't really know uh that he's really a big part of us but him and ryan hodges ryan hodges from montrose i coached him back in 94 they they really did a great job kind of orchestrating the defense um but tony tony's really just been an incredible blessing for us um and then my wife christine is uh like probably the best coach's wife on earth i mean 
I've said that time and time again. Like she's just so supportive. She's uh, she's had her career the whole time, but yeah, she's just the consummate coach's wife. Um, and then my kids, um, the rest of my children are just so engaged. Uh, my son Nick is my second second child, a boy, and and uh, he goes to goes to every game. And then my daughter Allie. It's like that little blonde on Remember the Titans. <laughs> a little feisty yeah. one, huh? <laughs> yeah, she's she's just that wild, supportive, uh, you know, tough, right. love, love, love football kind of person. And then my youngest is Anthony, and he, you know, he lives and dies as well. So it's a pretty cool thing. It's really a family family deal. And of course, because Tony's coaching, then my brother Phil's at the games, uh, which is cool. Mm-hmm. My brother Mike is engaged. He calls me probably once a day to tell me, you know, tell me his his advice about everything. <laughs> um, and Valdosta, he sent me he sent me this text that says something like, "Take care of the ball. Don't make big mistakes. You're going to be national champs." Oh. And he sent that to me like 12 times. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and then Steve is really engaged as well. But uh, he's uh, he's pretty, uh, you know, He, I think Steve's afraid he's going to jinx me if he comes to a game. He, <laughs> you know, he comes here and there. And ironically, when we played Grand Valley the first time, Steve's son got married. So none of them could be at the game. All of them went to the wedding, obviously. But, but yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve loves it. So. They're all evaluating the film behind the scenes and and giving me their opinions. And you know they love to give me yep. their opinions. Oh, so. go figure. Um, well, it's I'm fu- sure they're all proud. Absolutely, you know, and uh, you know we're the same generation, obviously, growing up in Corona. So it's it's cool to know uh, your family. You know, the Fatels and the Anises. We had some things in common, and one thing we uh, we did have in common. We loved. Corona High School and playing sports at Corona. I think all three of us, all four of us, can say that here yeah. on the podcast. We we like to promote the fact that uh, we're Corona Cavaliers, and uh, we ha- we have a lot of Cavalier listeners out there as well. So I think they're going to get a big kick out of listening to this interview, Tony. We really, really appreciate the time. You know, much love to you and the family. Have a fantastic holiday season, and hey there, wait a minute, put a little dog in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Uh, I want to mention my my best uh, supporters, my sister Steph. And oh, you, absolutely. You went to school with her, so she probably didn't even care about football back in the day. But oh no, she like, she, she, she she hung she, in there. She was pretty good. She was driving me nuts. I got to go to the games. I got to go to the games. I got to go to the games. <laughs> she spent a lot of time taking care of my mom. So hard for her to get to the games. But but she's the, she's she's the biggest supporter now, Steph. Absolutely. Well, again, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to you and your family, Tony. Thanks again for taking out this chunk of time to join us. Go back to uh, ice cream, the sun, everything else you're doing down here in Florida. Well-deserved national championship, man. We're all proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yep. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Coach. 
Oh, I don't know, guys, but how cool was that to have Tony on coming after a national championship? I don't know if he was superstitious or not after last the last time we talked to, I think we talked to Ryan Brady before a national championship yeah. game, but I tried to get him on before the national championship, and he said, why don't we do it after? And I think that was a good move. No, I, I, th- I think so, 100%. I mean, he, who knows how busy he was heading into that game. Right. Uh, but you know he's enjoying it. And it was funny, as we ta- we, ca- we were talking to him before the pod, and he said he's re-watching the, the championship <laughs> game. And I just think that's – I'll tell you what, if I won the national championship, I'd probably watch the game a solid 20 times uh, <laughs> afterwards. So Yeah, I was going to say, I, it, I thought that was funny too, and we all, we all kind of chuckled about it. And You know you're sitting back just enjoying it. You're about to win the national title by 40 points or whatever. But I, I do sometimes wonder about that. Like, whatever level of head coach you are, especially – you know, NFL or as big as Tony Anissa is. Do you ever just, yeah, like flip on the replay of the game and sit there and watch it on ESPNU or, you know, whatever channel it's on? And, you know, you're watching film all the time otherwise. Right. Like, can you ever just sit back and enjoy the game? So that was funny to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like I said in uh, the setup for him, I mean, you know, he's one of the best college coaches in America, you know, right. regardless of the class, right? And when I asked the one question about possible thoughts of an assistant coach, the thought had come into my mind, obviously, since we always talk about Michigan, and Josh Gaddis is getting a lot of publicity. He might go on somewhere else or have that opportunity in the near future, whether it's next year or not. How ideal would it be for Tony Anise right. to go run the Wolverines' offense, huh? Oh, I it, do – I. I, yeah, I do wonder kind of what he said when you asked him about some of the feedback he's gotten that, you know, some of his peers don't think that he would be able to handle being an assistant. And I could see I that. I do wonder if, if you've been a head coach, and just the fact you know him way better than I do, just the the type of person that he is, you know, coming from his dad and everything like that, and then being a head coach for as long as, as he has, as successful as he's been as a head coach, I it would probably be kind of, just like almost weird to all of a sudden go and be a coordinator. Uh, yeah, it would be really strange, I feel like. Oh, I think it'd be tough, uh, but uh, a million reasons could maybe convince you to do it for a couple years, yeah. too. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, we're all rooting for it, but here's, yeah. it's it's funny how he said it. I mean, he probably get, he does probably get asked about that every day, it, it does seem yeah. like. And, you know, and he's always, he's always a good sport about it, and a lot of people, I feel like, whenever they get asked something like that, they give you a snarky answer or something like that. And But here's the thing is, Winning national championships and what he say he's lost three regular season games in like I don't even remember eight years. Amazing. That's pretty fun too. That's that's a lot of fun and he does run the show up there too. There's a lot to be said right. about that as well. And there's also so I mean we didn't give it up. I mean Ferris was not when before he got there. I mean they were. I mean they were okay. said that they were you know not necessarily the bottom of the GLIAC, but I mean pretty dang close. And he's rebuilt them basically from scratch. And he's had assistant coaches come and go, and still you know they're atop the GLIAC and. If you ever want to see like one hell of a game, any anchor bone classic, mm. I mean, I would say probably better at Grand Valley. It's one hell of an environment, and it's a lot of fun. And you see how many people really do care about the those two schools, and especially there's a lot of really proud Ferris alums. You're you're spot on that the anchor bone classic is definitely a, a great college football environment, and you know there there is something to be said about like he he mentioned about how his dad, you know, for for a number of reasons, but he stayed in Corona. Maybe, maybe in a sense, just because of the the comfortable aspect, you know, the peace of mind. He knew he, he was comfortable with his family and all that kind of stuff there at Corona. He could have probably had a bunch of other jobs elsewhere, kind of like Tony right now could probably almost name his position at you know at certain places. 
But the, the the part of being like comfortable at Ferris and successful, he's got his son now as an assistant that he can kind of groom. So you know, like I, I feel like you probably get to a point there too where it's like, why would I, you know, go somewhere else where I, I'm pretty settled and comfortable here? But you know how head coaches are. I mean, you you always want like the next challenge. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do wonder if that'll happen at some point. Well, there is one thing though. He has been a head coach for a heck of a long time, and you know, when you're used to running your own show, uh, that would be difficult to transition, no matter how much money you were right. paid, for sure. All right, fellas, uh, that was fun. And, again, we appreciate Tony taking the time out. But uh, before we wrap up this program, we're going to go back to uh, uh, something we did back in Episode 51, our top three Christmas songs and our conversation along with that. And we'll be back with that right after this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Well, guys, uh, you know, you, you can't have a Christmas list without picking the top songs of all time. Top three Christmas songs. Who wants to start? Like a generic question. Do you guys like Christmas music? Some people hate I it. I do. Like, they, they can't stand it when it starts coming on. I, Man, w- I like Christmas music a lot. I like it, too, and it depends what song you hear. But, I mean, there's so many good songs out there that even the duds, you can you can put up with listening to those to get to some of the good ones. But, yeah, I like Christmas music. I don't like to hear it. Um, starting, you know, November 1st. But when we get to about Thanksgiving through the holidays, I'm really good with it. I'm going to throw it out here. I don't think Jared is a fan of Christmas music. <laughs> no, I do like it. And this actually might surprise you. So every year on Thanksgiving, we we, we would go, either go to like Frankenmuth some years or we'd go to my Uncle George's in Indiana. And that would be like when my dad would start playing Christmas music. And my brothers would lose their minds whenever <laughs> that happened. Whereas I, so it's like because of that, like... I kind of grew like, man, it's not that big of a deal to me. Like, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm fine with Christmas music. But as for, like, my top uh, three list, uh, a couple honorable mentions I had. These are both, like, country remixes, which is why I kind of kept them as honorable mentions, although they're probably my two favorite right now. Baby, It's Cold Outside by Darius Rucker and Sheryl Crow. And I love the Michael Buble, and the only reason I even knew this song is because my dad loves Michael Buble. Like, his favorite thing to do on Christmas morning. Alexa, play Michael Buble Christmas Mix. So that's what we always listen to. So I love that song. But as for my actual list, number three, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. I love this song. It's got the old 1980s theme. I always think of Daddy's Home 2, which is an honorable mention for my movies which is just a great scene at the end where they all sing it together. Just an all-around good song. My number two, and this probably should be my number one, 
but I think that this will actually be on both your guys' list. Uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. You better not pile on telling you why. This song is incredible any time of the year. My favorite part of this song is when he goes, Santa Claus is coming to town. And then my other favorite part of this song, and you guys are just being absolutely delighted with my voice right now. You better be good for goodness sakes. And then it's like the deep voice. You better be good for goodness sakes. The big man. Just a great scene. Bruce Springsteen is awesome. My number one, Last Christmas by Wham, with the explanation point at the end. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC who thought this song, but I mean the synthesizers in this song the 1980s feel some might call it a little uh, gay, but it's not, this is like just a great music song and I mean it's just a toe-tapping delight so that's my top three right there, how about you guys? Not bad, I've got some honorable mentions here Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by Gene Autry, the original that's a classic, everybody loves Please Daddy don't Get Drunk This Christmas by John Denver. I mean, that, how can you beat that one? Uh, Never little, heard of it, but continue. <laughs> it's a real song, too, by the way. It's a very depressing song. Uh, <laughs> little Drummer Boy from a variety of different artists out there. No offense to our Jewish friends out there, but I enjoy the I enjoyed the Saturday Night Live one, Christmas Time for the Jews by Darlene Love, and uh, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. Those are a couple classics on my honorable mention list. Also, the Beach Boys and Little St. Nick. That's a good one. But my list, uh, number three. This is uh, former Beatle John Lennon. Happy Christmas. War is over. That's just a tremendous song. It it holds up to this day and uh, one of my favorites. That's number three. Uh, The Christmas Song. Most uh, most people call it Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire by Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. How can Jack you go Frost. a Christmas season without hearing that numerous times and, and get right into it? And then my number one, I kind of started off the, the pod this way, Jose Feliciano, Feliz Navidad. My all-time favorite. I like the song, but I don't know. You're number one. You're telling me you could listen to that like three or four times in a day? Uh, put it this way. It's solidly on my number on my top three list. I could shift Happy Christmas by Lennon to number one. But, yeah, I like Fleas Navidad. That's my list. I'm sticking to it. Hey, stick with it. And, it, you know, I think it's one of those on Christmas Day. Say you got Spotify or whatever, Pandora, whatever you use. If some of these songs do come up three or four times on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, I think it that it's perfectly fine. Yeah. If you hear Feliz Navidad three times on Christmas Day, you're going to love it every time. Sure. Now, here's a question for both you guys. When you put it on a Christmas channel or any other channel, and Jared knows how I roll, do you immediately change the channel when you hear a song that really is not your favorite, or you just keep it there until the next song comes on? <laughs> I forgot about that about you. Any time. I mean, I know Jared, he he had a kick out of it coming home from up north with me, and I just had it on, I think it was the top 200 songs of all time on Billboard, (laughs) and I just kept it there and never never switched the dial. I can do the same thing on Christmas songs. You know, there there is a fair share of duds out there, but uh, 
I just don't change the channel. If it's a song I don't really care for, I just gut it out until the next song comes out. My wife, on the other hand, she'll say, oh, I hate that song, and then have to change the channel. That, I forgot. Like, just You completely just revitalized my memory on that. That was such a psycho move. I think we talked about it before on the pod. Everyone in the car was sleeping, Matt, other than him, and he was just, and you know he doesn't like this song. It's like top hits from like 2007. Like there's no way in hell he liked all these songs. And he just sat there, four hour drive, just didn't change it once, just sat there with his thoughts listening to it. <laughs> I just thought it was crazy. Yeah, I gotta say, I'd probably switch it around a little bit. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, how about your your list, Matt? Yeah, so I, I kind of cheated again, like I have a lot of times with these lists. I just went with albums, because narrowing it down to songs is really tough for me. So I only have one honorable mention, the Polar Express soundtrack. It's my favorite movie, so the soundtrack is just fantastic. I, I love that soundtrack come Christmas time. Number three, there's a Disney's all-time favorites. It's like the Disney characters singing all the like favorite Christmas songs. It's again one of those nostalgic things. Like we we grew up listening to it. We had it on cassette. I think my parents had it on a vinyl, and now we have it on a CD. So that's you know probably nostalgic. But I love that. Number two, to show our generational differences here, probably from my generation, the In Sync Home for Christmas CD is yeah. amazing. People from the mid-90s, if you're, you know, you're an NSYNC, you're Backstreet Boys, you know, whatever it is, everyone knows this NSYNC Christmas album. It's it's fire, as Jared's generation would say. <laughs> it, it's, it's a great Christmas album. And number one for me, and this would probably go back to, to Ted's era, but Ooh. I love it. I don't know. I, we used to listen to it at uh, a place that I worked at. We used to listen to it on loop, it seems like. A Hall & Oates. Christmas album, Home for Christmas. <laughs> it's great. Every day we be like holiday. Hall and Oates, I mean they their their voices are amazing and them singing all the Christmas songs is fantastic. That's my number one. That's my favorite my favorite Christmas album, Hall and Oates. That's pretty good. You know, when you speak of albums, too, I know uh, my wife's very fond of it, and I just thought about it, the the Carpenters. You know, you ever heard of the group The Carpenters? Oh, yeah. They yep. have a pretty good Christmas album as well. She had just a fantastic voice, Karen Carpenter, and, uh, you know, singing all the classics. And, and, and also, speaking of uh, singers, I mean, Mariah Carey, she has one of the all-time best-selling Christmas songs of all time, doesn't she? Yeah, All I Want for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a funny story. I, it's a great song. I do enjoy it. But there's a side that I can't stand that song because I don't know if they still do it this way at Corona, but uh, my senior year when basketball season was just starting, you know, around this time, early December, we were having two-a-days. So we would go in and practice, you know, for an hour before school and then, you know, school day, and then we'd have practice after school, obviously. But that morning session – it was only varsity, I think some JV kids, but we had like half of the gym, and then the other half of the gym was uh, the dance team. And they That's were doing so their Christmas dance, their Christmas routine to that song, All I Want for Christmas. Right. So for that whole two weeks or whatever of our two-a-days, oh. morning, morning Christmas, we heard that damn song <laughs> on loop the whole time we were practicing basketball. We were just hearing All I Want for Christmas over and over and over. 
And it was one of those where, like, they would play it for, like, 10 seconds, someone would screw up, and they'd have to start, start it over. over. They'd play it for 20 seconds. So, you know, I, that is just, like, engraved in my head. That good is song so still. still a good song, on. but I can't get over that. I feel like you just took that right from my memory. Everything you just said was spot on. Yeah, they play the same part over and over again because they have to master it, like, 10 seconds at a time. Yep. And the king of all Christmas albums, Michael Bolton. I mean, Our Love is a Holiday, that's an all-time Christmas song. I, I just thought of it. I can't believe I left it off my list. This Christmas we don't need to get away, get away, cause what a song that is, and what a voice he has. <laughs> Phenomenal voice. Yeah, he's one of the all-time greats, without a doubt. Christmas music, though, like that, that's probably why I like albums more. I, when I was at Grand Valley, I don't know if, Jared, you know this mall, but there's a mall in Granville. It's a, a town just over from Allendale. And I worked at the mall over there when I was in college at a store, uh, FYE, sell like CDs and DVDs and stuff like that. So come Christmas time, we would just be in the store just playing, you know, Christmas music all over and over and over. So, so that's where that's where I listen to the Hall and Oates album all the time and the Polar Express and all these other ones. But yeah, I had a similar experience to that when I worked at Meyer last year during the holidays. Which LOL, I worked at Meyer. That always kind of cracks me up when I say that. But um, good job. What's wrong with working at Meyer? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great gig. Gotta love wearing, gotta rep the red. Rep the red, that's what they call it. So they play Christmas music basically from like November 10th until like a week after Christmas. And the song that would always play that just pissed me off every time, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> Who, I was gonna ask you guys this guy's still what making money on that. How? How is that even a good song? How is that even a popular song? It's so, so bad. And the guy's still making bank off of it today. Yeah, it's, it's one of those parody songs, I really, you know, I mean... It was a novelty when it first came out. It slid into the Christmas rotation. I, I agree with you. It's pretty lame. It reminds me, there used to be a group called De Youpers, and that's, it's not De Youpers, but that's that's the kind of music it sounds like. But, yeah, that's, that's a brilliant song. And there's another one about all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Who was the, the comedy group that did that, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? It was like, I'm trying to remember who that was. Emo Phillips? Oh, yeah, the Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. It was like a, a comedy duo, wasn't it? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, and, the, and I don't have a way to look it watching up. The, uh, watching the music video. The music video is actually hilarious. It was originally performed by husband and wife duo of Elmo and Patsy Trick Schwarzschreier. Yeah. There you go. Elmo and Patsy, yep. <laughs> if, you, if you get a chance, go to YouTube, if you remember, and watch the music video for that. It's strange. I will never. The least. I, it's a strange I music never. video. I will check it out. So you guys are all about Christmas music then, is what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe not all about, but you enjoy it. During the month of December, let's put it that way. I, I enjoy it. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve All right, guys, this has been a really fun podcast. Big thanks to Tony and East for taking time out to talk with us. Don't forget, follow us at 3 Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in and tell your friends. If maybe they don't listen, tell them they may want to listen to this episode. Maybe they'll get hooked. Our sponsors include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Crow Real Estate and Auction, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, 
Success Group Mortgage and Servicing and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of Z92.5, our next high school basketball game will be Friday, January 7th as New Lothrop travels to Elsie to take on the Ovid Elsie Marauders. Until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody. Merry Christmas. Matt, uh, when we check in with you next, maybe a baby boy. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Good luck with that. And as always, go blue. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Thank you.